You're listening to the Tune Tribe podcast. Hello, welcome to the Tune Tribe podcast. You probably missed us. We haven't been. Uh, we haven't actually been on the air for a couple of weeks. Um, and my excuse is that we've been uh, on the road, and we are now. She's sitting in uh, in a. a Cardiff hmm. front room with uh, today's guest, who is um, I don't re- really know where to start. He is the uh, singer of the band the Pooh Sticks, which who still uh, are um, sporadically going. He is uh, frankly a kind of cultural czar for Wales. He looks after urban regeneration at the moment and has run various music and film festivals throughout Wales. And he has got a vast and all encompassing knowledge of psychedelic mm. music as uh, as well as um, being an all-round fabulous person we do have with us today Mr Hugh Williams hello Hugh hello Ben it's nice to have you here in your own house yeah we're actually in the Vale of Glam did you know that I, I can remember one time driving through the Vale of Glam and well, thinking the Glamorgan, but yeah so when I when I sign off and email the Vale of Glam people obviously think <laughs> Being that pesky guy from the poo sticks, that he's um, he's over egging it or indeed lying, <laughs> um, but we are in the Vale of Glam. That is brilliant, and we are um, we kind of there's a lot to catch up on really because I've not seen you for for quite a long time, and in Probably the ten years or so. in the in the five <laughs> minutes that we've just been chatting, you've told me so many things that you've done. It's going to be hard to fit it all into the podcast. But what have you? What are your uh, your most recent uh, activities that you could tell us um, about? For my sins, I mean, I did the thing about which quite a lot of us or people did about eight or nine years ago. I actually, mine wasn't. I left the music industry, not in, a, in an Alan McGee kind of way, because I didn't really have any money in my arse pocket. Not in the, but not in a toys out the pram way either. <laughs> no, in a kind of, hmm. There's no money in this anymore. I have two young children, um, and instead of it sort of dying a natural death, I woke up one morning and thought, I will, I will exit. But actually what happened, yeah, as, as you kind of alluded to there, and I, I kind of jumped more into doing sort of cultural... I mean, I had run this kind of economic, almost third sector thing called Welsh Music Foundation, but mm. Parallel was still having a half-meaningful commercial music career because, you know, after the Poo Sticks, I, I managed 60 Foot Dolls, who you know well. And yes. I, I was in cahoots with Catatonia. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time I was involved with... I had a publishing company called Townhill, which was funded by Sony Music, so which we were very involved in the Catatonia thing, but then sort of signed lots of uh, very good, but Murray the Hump, I remember Murray the Hump, fabulous group, Moho Bashopi, who were on V Two, made a, rec- a really good record with Don Fleming and yeah. uh, Big Leaves, who were, were absolutely massive in North Wales, um, <laughs> and and did have a, a daytime. You couldn't get away from them in North Wales. They were no. Everywhere, and also they had the, the they were single of the week on Mark and Lard when Mark and Lard were on daytime radio one, mm-hmm. and they had the. It's Mark Radcliffe we're talking about, yeah, the yeah, Mark, yeah, 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 Mark Radcliffe and, 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 Mark and Mark Riley, Riley yeah, when they were on the afternoon show, mm. and they were single of the week, and and they liked it so much that they played the record twice, and the only other time that's happened on Radio One was a Gary Glitter record. <laughs> In the seventies, for what for what's that's that's worth. Yeah, so illustrious um, company indeed. Absolutely, and and so when I decided to leave, I kind of fell more into yeah. I, for a couple of years, I was hands on with a, a film and music festival in downtown Cardiff called Soundtrack, which mm-hmm. I did. I kind of founded it, co-founded it, and then co-curated it with this guy Mark Cousins, this 
esteemed Edinburgh-based Northern Irish film. Uh, Did Mark Cousins? He made he made a, a, an incredibly admired and and uh, and well-reviewed documentary about movies. Right, story of film. Story of film, which it's, I've still not seen, but it's on my yeah, on my so list. There's a book, and it was a kind of it was on More Four or something, a mm. kind of eighteen-hour thing. And Mark, Mark in uh, so tw- so Mark was was the, the in his was was a TV presenter. Did. Um, uh, movie drone after Alex that's right Potts. that's right yes. and then he also he was the, he was the, the the director of the Edinburgh Film Festival and he, he had this format called scene by scene which was his thing that he started which was usually with really kind of well-known actors and directors would pick a scene mm-hmm. from a movie of obviously something they were in or directed and showed it to them and then the, the conversation went from there and that became a TV show and, and a book and stuff and Mark's really smart and we put together this festival for a couple of years, which was around, yeah, music and film. And we had people, you know, like Danny Boyle in person, David Holmes and uh, John, on, you know, John Keller had been offered this before, but on my, my suggestion was, it was, uh, was for him to perform, you know, Paris 1919, mm-hmm. track by track and all that, which he did in Cardiff and then rolled out in, uh, I think he did that festival in Barcelona and Royal Festival Hall. So, actually leaving that kind of daily grind of trying to to monetize what had become of the music industry was was a bit of a second wind for me really and and that was about eight nine years ago and i've morphed into you're right i've, I've sort of even though i live in the vale of glam i grew up in <laughs> in swansea which is wales's second city or wales's premier city as we as us football fans like to call it the last okay few years even though i've lived actually in around cardiff for, for 25 years I started doing some stuff there, weirdly, with a housing association in a really kind of um, derelict part of, of, of Swansea. And, and, and it was more initially a kind of arts and cultural thing. There's lots of sort of physical theatre going on and visual arts. Right. Um, but it's become like a wider creative industries thing, so there's a lot of tech and that sort of stuff going on. And recently, yeah, there was a big... We had a big mural, for want of a better um, phrase, done by this very well-known street artist, Pure Evil, who's based in Shoreditch, Natch. And, uh, of course he is, yeah. He's from Swansea, or he's from near Swansea, Cumtuck. He's from Upper Cumtuck. There's <laughs> Upper Cumtuck and Lower Cumtuck, and he's from Upper Cumtuck. And he came back and painted this big mural, which then sort of seemed to cement all the stuff we've been doing. And we got quite a lot of... Well, we had a, a big piece um, by a business writer, of all people, in... In the Observer on, on, uh, mm-hmm. a few months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it's online on the Guardian site, and then that's sort of given us another. So pure evil is is kind of, it's almost like a sort of uh, he he's in that Banksy bracket then of of kind of artists who yeah. are respected artists, but also they're kind of they're still very much doing stuff on the street on walls and in public yeah, spaces. Yeah, we've done a lot of visual art stuff on it's it's mainly around High Street, which is like the traditional old High Street in Swansea by the train mm. station, which became and it there's lots of things we could waffle on about all day with it. Did it's you get him did you did you get in touch with him and drag him back from Shoreditch into into his into his Basically, back to his roots. Yeah. And it, but it's that thing of, of you know what's the, of particularly coming from Wales, it's it's um you know you, you kind of all that coming from that rock and roll management thing, you're always one or two phone calls away from literally getting hold of Barack Obama. <laughs> you? You know, because you call, you know, Captain Sensible and Captain Sensible knows, you know, 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm confused about Captain Sensible's yeah, well, involved. To do with it. I know his son. I don't know Captain Sensible. So, but it's 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 that thing with with Charlie, which is Mr. Evil's real name. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I went to Shoreditch to to meet him, and and then panned out that obviously we had lots of really strong mutual friends. Yes. Charlie was ostensibly was a, a fashion. He was a fashion designer. Um, and he, he was in California and had was a skate fashion guy, a, a label called Anarchic Adjustment. Okay. I met him. It's like, yeah, we had a really strong mutual friend, and I'd been to their store in Tokyo in 1995. And wow, okay, uh, so he's been he's that. been at it for quite yeah, some time then. Man. Yeah, he's not a young man. Yeah, interesting. Who is these days? Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, who is these days? There's not many young men. Those young people to be interested in. It's all the old guys. <laughs> so yeah, after. It's funny because the stuff we had written about the project that I'm doing, you know, is kind of an overnight success after 12 years, sort of thing. And, and Interesting. It's it's, uh, it's 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 the same with Charlie Pure Evil doing this this thing. It was kind of he did it with a cherry picker over one or two days after talking for three or four years because he travels the world in other places all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fantastic. So we're here today to talk mm. about talking about. Uh, about old fellas can't, can't rely on the can't rely on the youth to produce it. We're here to talk about the fiftieth. Well, we're going to kind of use this as a, as a jump off point because I know that there's there's so many records that we need to talk mm. about, and, and not least of all your own record collection, which uh, I need to find out about why it no longer yeah, yeah. exists. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about the uh, the Grateful Dead's fiftieth anniversary of their of their debut album, which I have to say, I must confess, that slightly ashamed of. I'd never heard until until that, this yeah. year until i right. kind of as an anniversary gesture put it on yeah. and listen to it and it's now being reissued by rhino as a as a i think it's like a special super etched disc rhino handmade collector's edition yeah i think rhino is just warner's by by okay. any other name rhino now. i used to really like um, yeah i mean they did they because they, they put a little bit of curation into their yeah. Issues, yeah. And if you want poo stick stories, then. <laughs> of course we do. Here we That's go. why we're here. So, on tape, which was the first poo stick single song we ever wrote, which was basically how it was kind of uh, about record collecting in the sense I've got all these rare records do, 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 on tape. And one of the records, the name checking it, is the head soundtrack by the Monkeys. And Rhino, a long time ago, actually were kind enough to send me an official Rhino cassette of, of, of the head soundtrack. So. Um, do you still have that? Is that still part of your collection? Looking up on a shelf I'll now. Allude to what we're going to talk. I don't know if it melted or if indeed I've sold it in recent times <laughs> when hard times fell upon us in the Vale of Glam. But, um, so yeah, the Grateful Dead. Then I mean, your your initial thoughts as someone uh, with a with um, who's got some who's got some psychedelic chops. I mean, in the in the family, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I think. Th 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 I think the reason we, we decided to choose this was is that it'd be boring to have something in my comfort zones because I actually don't really know much about the Grateful Dead okay. at all. That's good. I like um, to keep you on your toes. Yeah, here. absolutely. And and, and and again, with the poo sticks, we, we were always seen as, um, I think there was some line in the review once, which was like, a band who are not afraid to hang out with people with long hair, <laughs> which, was, <laughs> which was, or, or realise that, you know, guitar music does involve hanging out with people with long hair. Um, and yeah, another. I, I, I think I, my idea of psychedelic music probably isn't. It didn't start with psychedelic music per se, because it actually would have been informed by, you know, nuggets and all that mm -hmm. stuff, which mm -hmm. is kind of you know proto punk or whatever. Yes. You want to want to call it. Um, 
I think, but but there again, I did really, you know, from a really young age, and this was probably, you know, it's that thing where I used to find things through contemporary artists. So from being into, I don't know, probably the teardrop explodes or whatever, I would have I found things like yeah, forever changes and and love and things like that from from you know when I was probably sixteen or so. So well, the Grateful Dead, I remember getting them, <laughs> probably when I was fourteen, fifteen, um, get, getting a Grateful Dead record out of the library <laughs> you know when it but it was like terrapin station or something so it was like one of the <laughs> mid-70s things and right even then you know when your musical palette isn't that refined when you're 14 15 it was just kind of really boring mm. and, and and i didn't probably didn't really understand what the references were so i was interested to see this to hear this particularly with something like the grateful dead which is you know if where do you start because they've probably made hundreds of albums I th- well, I think this is the problem with the Grateful Dead because yeah. not only have they made hundreds of albums, but there's also, it would appear, because their fans are so, uh, so there's such fevered um, obs- obsessiveness with their fans, is that every single live show they've ever done has been recorded yeah. and put out yeah. in some shape or another. Um, I had a guest on a few weeks uh, ago, Ian Crockett, who right. specialises in making collector's box sets and has just done... Uh, just done one for for uh, Ian Hunter, and okay. a couple of years ago did one for Family, and he tells me that there is you know there's, there's Grateful Dead ones which comprise oh yeah they've just done yeah they they they, they we've just done a box set of uh, 150 shows you know <laughs> and every single show presumably with this very similar sets and involving much noodling on separate CDs I mean why isn't there one a bit like the Ark Well Neil Young one where they kind of just like looped. 10 seconds of feedback for, you know, possibly that actually sounds quite appealing but um i mean <laughs> listening to that i was interested because it's that thing of like where everything starts somewhere and this mm. was the start even though from from doing a little bit of research which i did and, mm. and i knew this that they were called the warlocks weren't they and yes they'd been around for a couple of years and i i think I'm, i know more probably about the kind of the countercultural scene or the the drug scene and and the, the thing that happened in san francisco and how something that became so big literally would have started with a little bit of LSD on a couple of streets, which then within, what, two or three years meant literally tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of young people moving into a city and completely changing it. Astonishing, yeah. Something like this being the kind of soundtrack to it, I guess. And, And also looking at video stuff of them, even though, you know, it's not dance music as, as we would um, think of it. Everyone's dancing. There's lots of sort of shapes going on and mm. they're bending the strings. People are bending their bodies. And, and they were obviously were the soundtrack and the dance soundtrack to that kind of scene. And this, al- th- this album is very... It, it's almost like a, 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 a kind of covers band who've come to play at a wedding. Or there are bits of it that you just think, you know, oh, now Bob Weir's going to take a vocal and now Jerry is yeah. taking a vocal and, and now the, uh, the, uh, the fella, what's his name, Mr Pigpen, uh, takes a vocal and, and there's a lot of covers and it's a lot of kind of you know blues rocky yeah, and it's good time numbers blues, but I suppose mm. the, also from 50 years hence not being you know American or even from the west coast which mm. is very diff- different to all the east coast stuff that again as a teenager I would have been into the Velvets or whatever well, it's interesting because the Velvets yeah. were also called yeah. the, the Warlocks is that right for mm, briefly they may, yeah they were called the uh, or Lou Reed was in a band called the Primitives wasn't he yeah um, they, they might have been 
So I think there was I think there were a number of warlocks simultaneously existing, and okay. uh, and that's that's one of the reasons they changed their name. You're probably right, and and um, uh, yeah, and and it's it's that thing of uh, completely lost my thread now. Sorry, you're talking yeah. about the west the west coast being different to the east coast in dancing. Sorry, I interrupted no, 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 it's you the, there. It's the context, isn't it? Mm. Fifty years hence, and not mm. being from from America, mm. or indeed the west coast, not mm. knowing. Uh, yeah, it's it's it, the I suppose it's still that kind of white boys playing blue, so it's probably ex- extremely fresh and, very, and I'm almost kind of shocking, I suppose, in a way. And mm-hmm. then, whereas now we, we would probably be more interested in list, listening to even they would have been old guys, but the old guys still are the, the original, um, you know, guys doing it were still around, kicking around. Sonny Boy Williamson, I'm sure, yeah. would have would have been around in '67, yeah, whatever, yeah, and all that stuff. And then yeah. obviously some of them did get second wind on on the back of it but um you know i am interested actually weirdly from that kind of uh almost as a regeneration practitioner i mean it's, it's a, i'm not saying that we should just sort of uh yeah drop loads of lsd to the kids of swansea and see what happens but it's interesting how something so massive comes from that those that that literally those couple of years you know mm. But I don't know if you've, you've presumably been to San Francisco. I've never been to right. San, San Francisco. I've been, I think, only once, actually, and I went to City Limit. You know, it did, I suppose, the precursor to all this was that, you know, it did have all that beat beat stuff going on and the City Limit stuff. and uh, Not that they were based, I suppose, but uh, I remember the first time we went... Sorry, what is City Limits? Is that City Limits is the bookshop. That's, that's the famous think, bookshop that... Yeah, did it publish Howl or it, it might have, or certainly... Kerouac Howl being Howl being, being the Ginsburg, Ginsburg. Owen, you know, right? Yes, yes. Best lines of my generation. That's and City Limits is it's it's still. It's called City Limits, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think we're think still so, there yeah. twenty years ago. City Lot, yeah. I'm just City thinking because there was a London What's On mag called City Limits, wasn't mm-hmm. there? The rival to Time Out at yeah. one point. But yeah, gonna, there is we're going to th- edit this this bit. Yeah, we'll edit that bit out to so it's City. See, normally when I'm when I'm recording these shows in London, I have a producer and I can immediately send them send them sort of rushing to Google to just check. City Lights, City Limits, is something. City Lights, I think it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a photograph of me standing outside trying to look like Jack Kerouac. Do you think you did? Did you did you manage to? No, I didn't look. Probably didn't look beefy enough. I would have been a young man then. So. That's not writing. That's typing. Yeah. <laughs> Who said that? Someone said that about Kerouac, didn't they? Yeah. Well, it's, it's just. I think you know, it was true. To a different I think it was now, Truman we, so. Capote. I think Truman Capote didn't yeah. didn't like the Beats very much, right. and, and he and he had gave him short shrift via Kerouac. I have to say, I've got some of that stuff around because it's it's the sort of thing. It's good. It's good for thieving. You know, it's good for <laughs> <laughs> for for uh, the odd phrase or the odd word. So. Thieving. When you say thieving, you you, you talk now in your guise as the, uh, the 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 lyricist of the of the poo sticks, do you? Well, I can't say I was the sole lyricist. The poo sticks yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I mean, we you know it wasn't a band really. It was kind of a project. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, it's. I never. You see, I never know. I know we're getting slightly off the subject yeah. of the Grateful Dead. We'll get onto the Grateful we, Dead we in, in a sec. But I just wanted. Want. I wanted. I wasn't quite sure how much. <laughs> I'm sure there are people listening who who are aware of the poo sticks. I haven't really explained what the poo sticks is. The might be a number of people saying, "What the heck is the Poostix?" I don't that? know. And of course, the, um, the there is an irony to the Poostix in the in the it's all the way through. There's a it's it, it it's almost like you're kind of very archly satirising the idea of of uh, 
a, a, a pop band in a in a way. Um, certainly, the most one of the sort of early singles. I know someone who knows someone who knows Alan McGee quite well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's an it's absolute it's a godlike song title and a good record as well. Yeah, well, I think we got in terms of the songwriting, it got better, and we kind of morphed into quite a meaty. Uh, I don't want to use yeah, almost like a a proper group, and we we did that whole thing that you know we kind of nearly had a hit record. Made some great, yeah, made some great um, pop made, power pop singles. Yeah, yeah. And we, we had you know it's just pre that kind of Brit pop thing mm. we did get onto. We got onto daytime radio one and all that, and it didn't quite quite work out. But it's it, the, as I said when I say project, it was kind of um, again. If some American critic said it was kind of it, it was a wheeze that um, that Andy Kaufman would have been proud of. And I don't <laughs> think it was quite as arch as that because we're basically we're kids, we're fairly young, who were enthralled to pop music, and we were just having fun with it. And mm. I think some people will think of us or remember us as a kind of C eighty six type thing which was just our entry into it even though actually we didn't form until 1987 but c86 was still weaving its its, yes. its influence and uh, and yeah and it, it was recently i think i met um uh pete perfides actually and, and who seemed to be aware of the poo sticks and like oh I mean, he, he did because he tweeted about us that's it Mm-hmm. A bit like you know where the fuck are the poo sticks and and, uh, <laughs> and when I met him it, it was very much like he was talking about that movement or or that time as mm. as being it, it was obviously you know even though there was there weren't we were a, a blokes band Amelia Fletcher was in the group from Tallulah Gosh and there were so he was sort of saying how it was not proto riot girl but that it was it was inclusive and and that even. It was inclusive enough that a couple of you know kids from downtown Swansea with no no discernible talent were allowed <laughs> allowed into the party. And also in those days, in terms of the independent thing, is that it was such a you know we pressed up we 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 formed in the sense that I came up with the name of a band. We wrote a couple of songs, recorded a couple of songs, literally mm. the same day. Mm-hmm pressed up a hundred copies on a white label and kind of hand called them and put a kind of, you know, photograph of some kids with bowly haircuts on the front. Yeah, he wanted James Brown. <laughs> which, which crucially were not, of, were not of, were not of, of you. Sticks. Interesting. Um, and then sent one to James Brown at NME and one to Peel. And, and then it kind of really quickly took off because that's interesting that you chose yeah. the fo- you chose a photo but you didn't immediately do the first thing that when when someone makes a demo and go and <laughs> either do a little nice little design <laughs> yeah. yeah or make a recording yeah, yeah. No, or, no, to, me, it's that yeah go on or, or, or get yourselves photographed looking you know looking quite kind of uh, as, as fashionable as possible in front of a local wall yeah. or 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 <laughs> we you did know that later but yeah but um yeah, it was. It, so it was always it was a mystery about who was in the group from day one, yeah, and it was almost an accident that that mystery with, existed. With much more famous groups in the Pustics, a lot of these things tend were probably a lot less calculated than people. Yes, people read things, and it was like, well, that's a kind of amusing bunch of kids with really, uh, you know. Recently, I don't know if you've seen this this kind of fashion guy Sam um, Sam Nee. Have you seen his books? No, There's no, I haven't seen the, Sam Nee. Bag I'm in. And another one, which is about the Bagaman, is about kind of British youth cults. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a visual; they, they kind of photo books. And the other one, I forget what it's called now, but it's it's, it's called like the In Between Scene or something. And it's about a ostensibly eighties kind of charity shop chic and and stuff. 
and it's got the merry chain and indeed the poo sticks in it. Okay. And and it's that thing of of yeah, you, no one was really aware of what you were doing. It was just like an interesting photo of these kids with these haircuts that I took in the toilet of a gig in Port Talbot at a Primal Scream show when Primal Scream were you know the birds or whatever. Yes. Um, yeah, and and it's that thing that. Of with Peel, bless him, and J- and someone like James, who was as young as uh, he was like twenty one, freshly out of fanzine, land at the enemy, who was in his own words bored of writing about the house mind. <laughs> you know, we were pretty rubbish, and we're getting two page spreads in the enemy overnight. So yeah. you know, brilliant, I'm wonderful. Turning down deals from Warner Brothers with the words of like, you really, really don't want to sign us, and we really, really don't want to sign to you. And then ironically, of course, you did end up signing to a major label in on the west coast of America, yeah. right? Um, which is Zoo Entertainment. Yeah, and, and we actually, after that, we made another record, which was for Seed, but was the, the contract said Atlantic Records, <laughs> you know. Fascinating. Because Seed was the kind of, you know, but when you're making like your fifth or sixth album and you're still on the fake indie label of a major, we kind of knew that our, <laughs> our time was up. But we signed to a major because we'd, we'd done, we, we didn't, it was kind of you know the indie thing was 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 fine but we we kind of it was almost we wanted to see how far we could take it mm. this ridiculous thing that didn't really exist and mm. and and could we you know we signed as you said yeah it was a bmg label and obviously we were on rca in england and 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 it didn't and we, i think million cells it's, it's got some really good moments this is million seller you're talking about yeah, which, which is yeah. on world is turning on which, mm. which was kind of you know I think it got to number 76 once. You know it. it I'm sure you know it got to number 76. It got to 76 for one week, which yeah. we didn't quite get into the Guinness Book of Hit Singles. and We didn't quite become the biggest um, one-hit wonder of all time. But in some ways, that's kind of in, entirely in keeping with, yeah. the, uh, with the ethos of the band, getting yeah. to 76, yeah. So, yeah. so it's interesting to think that that, that, was, that would have been in 1994. That was 92, 93. 93, and okay. It's that period also where even though I was still in my 20s and we well, there was a period of time where over a period of 18 months we were supported by bands like Pulp and mm. the Cranberries yes. and Shampoo and the Utah Saints and Cast. All, the, uh, all, these ba- Gray, all these bands that went nowhere. All these bands within 18 months were all selling millions of records. <laughs> so at that point we were a bit like, oh, right, okay. Well, one, they're kind of better than us, but two, the, the link was that I was choosing the sport bands a lot of the time. And it was at that time that, yeah, I met 60 Foot Dolls and and and, and Catatonia and, uh, and and blah, 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 and morphed into that kind of, even though, yeah, I was still in my 20s, that mm. I just went into being a kind of, you know, mainstream, boring, retro company person. Never boring, Q. Uh, Never boring. good fun. I was uh, I was just going to drag us kicking and screaming back into San Francisco in in 1967. It's just thinking that the difference now in time between if we're looking, you know, talking about the, the, that Poostics, Poostics on the radio was as long ago as it is. Um, it, it, it was as long ago as if we were looking back in that time at the Grateful Dead. So 25, there's a 25-year gap between each of these yeah. events. So we're now looking back 50 years at the Grateful Dead. And it does seem, you know, just talking about those, the, the period of you getting the enemy and the signing to a major and, mm. the, and the whole kind of, uh, you know, Mark Radcliffe being on Radio 1 in the afternoon. It's, it, it does feel like um, 
just how t- the dramatic changes in pop music and how things are, and how things uh, how things change, but how how things also just stay the same. You know, really, you can yeah, imagine Jerry that, Garcia appearing on the front of Mojo yeah. next month. It would would not be no, a not surprise to anyone. That's why I don't really buy Mojo. So <laughs> <laughs> it's no, you're absolutely right, and it's kind of without sounding sounding like an old bloke, which obviously I am because I was born. Uh, it's all right. We're all, you yeah, know, it's all. You know, oh, we're it's, all told together. The fifty thing, only just, and and no, I think you're right. And I think the weird thing is, I, I think in terms of British, I think Brit, it's particularly since Britpop. I mean, mm. I, I was aware of it at the time. Is that as much fun as kind of Britpop was in, in moments of it? Mm. You, you felt that even with like the Manchester thing. They were still sort of. I mean, Britpop seemed to eliminate a lot of the black influences. I thought, and, and yeah, it was like, I love the Kinks and the Beatles and stuff as much as anyone else. But I think it was kind of game up. And even in a way, again, as much as you know, because with Sixty Foot Dolls, we did a lot of stuff with Oasis, and we were around them a lot. And as as much as I didn't dislike Oasis, the fact that they became like the biggest British group since Led Zeppelin and the Stone Roses, who were, in my opinion, a bit more interesting a few years before didn't was it was kind mm. of all a bit odd and now you hear new guitar bands who could have been around 20 years ago and it's just all but i really don't want to sound like an old bloke i think some of it is that it's all been broken down so much by the digital stuff is that all the that thing i don't know if it is just a a, a kid's teenage thing that thing that we had then with the weekly mu- the loss of the weekly music press i think is the big thing mm. i mean i don't mean enemy a couple of years ago i mean all that stuff, even 20 years ago plus when it went from, you know, if you still had Sounds, Melody Maker, Enemy was always my, my preference. But that thing where it was, you know, bands say it's all about the music. It's like, well, actually, if the music's rubbish, you never would, it, it, your relationship wouldn't go that far with a band. But you'd go quite a long way with a band, even if the music wasn't great, if all the other stuff was really interesting. Yeah, and, no, absolutely, and, and, yeah. And the story was good and the stuff that they were, it's particularly when I was really young, 14, 15, you know, I remember reading or having to read the music papers, which probably had writers like Morley and, you know, whoever at the time. Was I literally would read it with a dictionary <laughs> <laughs> because they were using long words, you know, and, and they would, and it'd be things like, right, how, do, how do you pronounce that? Oh, yeah. It's Kerouac, you know, and would lead you down, you know, and I'm sure kids get that. I see it with my teenage boy, in a way but it's it's things change so quickly every week and because you weren't getting any information apart from maybe john peel in between mm, then mm. it became this very living malleable moving thing and i think that's now it's kind of like you can form a band and be like yeah read mojo and go right i need a captain beefart record and maybe a copy of rumors i mean it's just like yeah and i need and i need a plug-in of gold star studios in 1969 to get to get the right uh, room ambience for my vocal take yeah no i know it's very very easy to be very easy to be cynical and old isn't it i i I find but i think you do have a point and i do think that, that that you're the idea of you reading the enemy with a dictionary just kind of in many ways encapsulates the fact you have to you had to have made an effort you have to put some you have to have applied yourself yeah the word in, in fact in many ways the word application yeah which has now been replaced with something that you can just download off the apple app store yeah. you know there is you had to really make an effort to try and find out who these people were that paul morley was writing about or or, or um 
you know, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of some of the other writers who were around the 80s, but it's quite a political well, if paper. You, if it was Parsons, Birchall, yeah. Bond, or Ian Penman, there was quite a lot of them. Morley's the one I remember because he was, uh, I don't even know if I particularly like, but he was very, I, I think the teenage me thought he was quite sooty, but actually he's, you know, yeah, they were long words. Terrible David Bowie book that he wrote at, at, the, yeah, uh, at, at the end of last yeah, year. And that was such a... Clearly, he wrote it over a over a long weekend and kind of delivered it to his publishers on the Monday. Yeah. And um, it's, it's difficult to explain to people because The Enemy Now is obviously like some kind of top shop supplement or something. And <laughs> there is a copy there because <laughs> Wiley's on the cover and I'm, I'm taking my 16 to go and see There Wiley. is a copy here that would, it's interesting enough with, yeah. a little, with a dictionary next to it, actually. <laughs> right, yeah. You're probably spell-checking it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you need that anymore, but... Um, yeah. So one of the other perils about being uh, older is the amassing huge piles mm. of uh, of recorded music, which sort of sits on a shelf, and you look at and think, "Hmm, I might play, I might play that nine 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 album uh, one day." And so you had a, but you had an interesting experience with your massive collection. I um, did. I did have a, a massive collection. <laughs> um, yeah, which which I'd amassed over the years, and and yeah, and uh, and yeah, it's actually in this house, in this room, where we move. We're in a rural a rural location. And, yes. Um, yeah, some some scally came in and burnt our house down. What? <laughs> um, it was a what? There was a pot. Some it was a kind of arson. Deliberate arson attack. It was a, it, it, basically we were between houses and we were living in somewhere else, and mm. I'd moved everything had come in from storage. So there was lots of boxes here and. It's it's a long convoluted story. Weirdly, I had I'd always had my uh, so I had quite I had a, a large record collection, lots of quite interesting sort of vintage hi-fi and things like that, mm -hmm. which I'd lived with a long time, and uh, I'd always insured it and all this stuff. This is where where it gets really tearful. So the stuff had come from storage and actually mm. wasn't insured, which I kind of knew. And it was on. It sounds definite. It, it was or it wasn't. It wasn't right. It buildings insurance, which you you have to mm. do anyway. Mm. It wasn't insurance. I kind of knew. It was literally we weren't here for three or four days, and someone came in and and <laughs> burnt the house down. And it, it wasn't anything, you know. Uh, it it panned out in the end that there'd been uh, other incidents in in the area, which, as I say, is kind of root. It's lots of little villages here, and yeah. all, all in kind of empty, you know, in houses that weren't occupied. But the the rub was that yeah, every pretty much everything went. Um, oh. And that was eight nine years ago, and it was kind of. It, it, so, so just give us an give us an idea of what sort of things that you had in your in your oh, collection. Yeah, okay. Well, actually, so did you have some price later, was, some priceless? Uh, um, I guess so. You know, you know, original MC Five and Stooges things, and I, it's difficult. A couple of months after it, there was a I cleared a lot of it myself, and I I, I don't think I've hardly got any of it left because actually it would have made a, a quite a nice art <laughs> piece because there was lots of melted um the idea of some i mean the skip you know and things that i collect because with as you said with the acoustics both our deals major deals with in america even mm. the dolls 60 foot dolls were signed to geffen so we spent I that's right yeah spent a lot of time in 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 america so there was a lot of stuff that i bought over there and because yeah, that you know. crate digging over there is an entirely different, particularly on the West Coast. I had a bit, yeah. of, a bit of a taste of it uh, a, a couple of years ago, and I'd never. The space that they have out there is yeah. clearly a, is, is much less of a premium, so that they can, you know, you can find things so much less, a lot, yeah. lot of it, and less expensive. 
Yeah, and there's all that kind. Of, I was really into there's fate, and I, I realised this as as it, as it, the stuff that you could see. I was chucking into the skip, so was, I went through a big kind of bubblegum phase, which was a lot mm. of that was kind of American. And the other thing you could do in America is, is pick up things like Scott Walker records that no one seemed to care about over there <laughs> yeah. for fifty cents, and I seemed to have a lot of Scott Walker records and and things. You know, it's just. It's funny because it's how I reacted to it. it was as I said, we, I wasn't insured. We, I always had my record collection was always insured for ten grand within the kind of contents insurance thing. This is mm. reasonably boring, but no, I'm not saying it was worth <laughs> yeah. ten grand. But if I had still been insured, can you can you insure grand. a record? I mean, can yeah, you, you can? Yeah, you and, pay, yeah, you, you you can, you you can. You, okay, you just pay the yeah, you can. And because I th- I thought that the record collection is so the, the the prices are so. Kind of fl- I'm talking 20, you know, fluctuate and, I and guess go so, up and but down. It's, 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 you, you, you know, you just pay whatever premium they say, and then right, you would have. Um, it would have been nice to have ten grand. I would have had record dealers back knocking the door down, wouldn't I? Really? So yeah. But what? So in in uh, you know, in reaction to that, or um, I think it, it, I've been hanging out with a lot of artists recently. So you know, my response. Uh, <laughs> to it was 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 actually well actually the response was practical because we we did lose everything so as important as 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 records have been to me and i suppose you could sleep on records but we didn't have anything to sleep on or sit on and things like that and i've got two young children as i said so we yeah there was lots of that going on and we were out of the house for a year when it got renovated and and slowly I, i don't know weirdly i think a couple of years ago what was left and I found other stuff that had been in, you know, at my mum's or other people's houses. It tended to be the, the stuff that I was left was actually product, a lot of it. Poo sticks product. A lot, you know. a lot of stuff a that you just had in boxes, actually, yeah. I would have been happy to burn. <laughs> so I've been offloading God. stuff. And I've actually offloaded some really nice records and Stooges records and things mm. that I had because without sounding daft, the collection wasn't whole anymore. Mm. And because music has been digital, even though I like artefacts, I'm still, it's, it's a pro- process I'm going through that I'm still offloading things in order to, it's that clear your clutter thing that mm-hmm. as things go out, you physically and mentally create space for other stuff to come in. So did you did you find that it's actually made quite a night, it, it was quite a convenient psychological um, line in the sand was drawn after it, after you were forced into into dealing with the fact that your I would say beloved no. collection had gone. <laughs> you it you moved away. I would say. Right. I think what happened actually, and and it's now nine years on that you, I'm only realising it. So about a year after it, or or so, um, it was a couple of things. One, I'm not that I'm a was a, I'm a heavy drinker, but I stopped boozing. Right. Which right. Was, because I think there was so much going on, and what happened then was that. Um, I sort of ex- started exercising a bit because I was quite sporty in my youth, but I put the poo sticks back together for one last shot. And I think it was that thing of like, so I'd left the music biz and then my music collection had left me. Yeah. So it was a bit like, okay, well, uh, and we'd always had offers with the poo sticks and things, but it's just, um, without sounding cliche, it felt like the time was right. The time was right because I had no records to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I was no longer, I was working in more, doing more stuff with film with Mark Cousins than I was... Yeah. Uh, Doing music, so although there so, were, although the, know, the festival that you did was a music and film kind of yeah, together, was, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was, a, there was a little bit of music going uh, on. There. Yeah, and we had gigs. So that's yeah, kale obviously with the kale. To, yeah. uh, Super Furries did a show for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Julian Temple showed that we did that Doctor Feelgood film. 
and, and Oil City Confidential, yeah, yeah it was and, fantastic. And we showed it in a really good cinema, and re- it was really loud. We cranked it up loud, mm-hmm. and he did a uh, an interview for us as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. I was still involved, but I think that whole thing of it was a bit like oh, you know, ex- we accepted that we initially did a show uh, indie tracks, which is a real, even though in in some ways we, we weren't a real C eighty six band. It was it was as Fay. A festival, as you can imagine, it's in in uh, like a steam tr- train museum in Derbyshire, <laughs> and, and I thought so. We went there. We, you know, you know, people like the Fannies have played there and Wedding Present, but we were probably the because actually the, the poo sticks kind of we we bend strings and we can put our feet on monitors and kind of make a lot of noise. rock so out. We, yeah, we can rock out. Yeah, yeah. Even though we had Dame Amelia was was with us uh, for the show, and it was really good. It was really good fun. And then we played in New York and Berlin. You know, we sold out the Bush Hall. You know, it's it's it just amused me that we could still get. Like, do you think you'd ever get? Do you do you ever get the band back together again? You're gonna. Get, I mean, there is a band, obviously. Yeah, so they, you've probably got the rhythm section just sort of tapping their sort of, toes, waiting. It's a bit complicated. You? Okay. Um, I think yeah, it's just uh, Amelia, who who obviously is a doctor, Amelia Fletcher, OBE, who was in you know. Interlude Gosh, who were kind of the most overachieving, underachieving indie band. Because obviously Elizabeth, who was the original singer with her, won the Turner Prize two years ago. Elizabeth Price, you of know. course, yeah. So, yes. and I, I don't. The thing is, when we put the group back together, it was kind of the only original. Mem- the only original members were myself and Amelia. But mm. the Poo Sticks has always been there's me and Amelia. Basically, the only people who have been in every live live lineup of the band were me and her so it was mm, as authentic mm. as anything else yes and we had a few younger kids in the band because it, which which made sense darren the guitar player and that's the thing with poo sticks when things are true because i think people just thought we lied all the time when things are true people don't believe it so he is actually in the boomtown rats as well is he yeah he's the the the, the only non-original member i was gonna say yeah he wasn't he's certainly in the, yeah he's a young fella so it was good good fun and, and as i said playing in New York and places like Berlin, it's kind of, it was good to do it again. Um, it's whether you know, it's. I, I would like to do new material. <laughs> you know, when, when we live in an age where you know Echo Belly make new records, then <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't. Echo Belly, I shouldn't. But, I know. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you just um, once again you pluck a name of, from the air and to make, girls make their first record in thirty years. <laughs> it's kind of like oh, actually. But with the same with the shows, it's got to be good, isn't it? So, it has got yeah. to be good. Now, I think we need to we need to give one more one more Grateful Dead. Yeah. Um, let's have let's have one little last look at the Grateful Dead. What do you think then of this first album? What are your it's, thoughts? It's, Given that you clearly are a man who owned you know you own a lot of West, owned I should say a lot of West Coast classic Stooges uh, and MC Five and. Yeah, that not kind of slightly really West more coast, but yeah, garagey. Well, yeah, I suppose Detroit. Lo- really aren't they? Like love, we're a big, you know. Mm. I, I was a big fan of Love and saw the Forever Changes thing, and I saw him uh, Arthur, Arthur Lee, yeah. when he, just before he went to jail in a record shop in Utrecht, where I lived for a while mm-hmm. in Holland, and um, uh, so yeah, and, and yeah, I don't know what the Doors or whatever Love, you know, all that stuff. But so it's weird. I think the context is that yeah, you probably had to be young and out of your brain on LSD frogging away to to think it, it was psychedelic it, it, some of it is um it kind of reminded me of um the band or something which i re I, I, so recently i listened i did listen to the basement tapes yeah for the first time so it's got that kind of 
I'm not soaked in kind of American For the first music. time, what, what did you make of it as, a, as you know, the listening to the basement tapes the, for well, the no, first no, it, time? It, it's something I hadn't listened to. Well, the first time would have been 20, 30 years. Oh, I see. Ago. Sorry. Yeah, okay, so right, right. Yeah. To it again recently. And yeah. listening to this for the first time made me think of that. But actually, that it's, you know, I am actually, even though I, I like a wig out as much as anyone else, but I am probably quite boring and also like songs. And I think that... Yeah. That's not boring at all. I think no. that's 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 the surely the key to it all, so really. Even though there probably is a, a, a kind of a connection or lineage between something like the Basement Tapes and the band and the Grateful Dead. Mm. I mean, there was one track on there where it really wigs out at the end, which we did this get. is Viola Lee Blues, yeah, I think, the, the last so one. Gets, yeah, it does get psychedelic and. And, it, it, and actually, I thought that was the that was for me that was the one that was most representative of what. I want from the Grateful Dead, well, which also is this, maybe they got you know this is the, the, this is the first record, so I yes. suppose they probably did get a bit more psychedelic. And it's funny, it come with so much. Um, it, there's a lot of baggage, I suppose, that come with Grateful. Do you think of people with tie dye shirts and all that stuff? I remember thinking, remember dead heads. We used to have some connections through Fierce Records, the Pooh Sticks label, mm. with Sonic Youth, and they were Paul Smith, who was the Blast first guy who managed them. He always used to walk around with the Grateful Dead hat on. And he was so into the Grateful Dead that he then realised that the British version of the Grateful Dead were indeed the man band, man, who were from Swansea, who a lot of people, for a while, it was considered, it was, people thought that Terry Williams, who was the drummer in Man, and then Rockpile, and then briefly Meatloaf, and then Dire Straits, when Dire Straits were playing the enormous Dome, was my dad, <laughs> even though he wasn't my dad. But we share a surname, and I used to babysit yeah. for him when I was a teenager. Yeah. But and Paul Smith was so into. The so just to just to just to okay. classify here, yeah. it, there is no familial connection between you and Terry Williams. No, even though I think it's possibly still on Wikipedia, but it's, <laughs> I'm not. And then you get that thing of people going, "Oh right, so that's yeah, was... why the Poo Sticks did quite well because the Poo Sticks were we were massive overachievers because we were pretty rubbish. So I think when people go, oh, you're, you know, you kind of also rants is like, well, no, we actually were, we did, we were massively successful yeah. in my head. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, so your dad is like, yeah, but he's not really my dad. But I've met so many people like uh, John Langford, for instance. From, from the, the Mekons. Mm. You know, who was a big man fan, you know. I didn't so know I've that. Met okay. lots of people like him who were, oh, great. And, and they quite like the Pusty. And they're all really, they're all really chuffed they to meet you because they think you've got... You. Terry's boy, great, you know. So, yeah. He's not really I don't think he's old enough to be my dad, actually. But Paul, so Paul Smith, who managed Sonic Youth, was yes. such a Grateful Dead fan. Mm. Like, this is early nineties, really, really early nineties. Wanted and the Grateful Dead at the time were the biggest grossing live band in America, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Paul was really into getting mad. Man were kind of back together. But we're kind of, with all due respect, because I know, know, know Martin really quite well and Deke, a few of the guys, were a bit stodgy, really. They weren't that psychedelic. But Paul had this great thing, right, man. You know, and they probably, oh, it's 91, so they would have been guys in their 40s, or yeah, at the time or whatever. Yes. It's like, I want to make a record with you, Blast First, who were the, you know, the hippest label at the time, you know, Big Black, Dinosaur, Sonic Youth. So they were like, ooh, oh, great, this is great. <laughs> it's like, well, this is what I want you to do. Just go into the studio, take LSD, <laughs> and then I'll just buy the tapes off you. So Martin Ace is the bass player, who's still in a version. In fact, man, no, bless him, quite a few of them. Are, there's lots of members, a bit like the four, and lots of them are dead. Right. So now it's actually, they call Son of Man. So Martin, I think, is the only <laughs> constant original member who plays. And there's actually sons, son, sons only 
of ex-members in the band, so right. son of man, so it's okay. Martin plus sons. Anyway, so they, they Martin, yeah, we're up for that. So they all, t- and it was like, I think Mickey was still around, Mickey Jones. Did they have D-Bear. previous LSD taking well, form? I think, yes. Well, it wasn't the first time they dropped acid Ooh, and they were no, just pretending. first time for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably, for, oh, I've done acid for like 20 years. Because <laughs> um, actually, one um, John Cipollani, is that how you pronounce his name? A guy from Quicksilver Messenger Service, who are an esteemed San Franciscan psychedelic band which mm. was in man in the mid 70s so i didn't know totally that, okay. had and they they they, they had the, the the thing of having the fastest the quickest selling out show in the Fillmore west they were big on the west coast and mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. much you know in that this grateful dead mode anyway so they, they went into some studio in downtown sonzi you know men in the mid 40s who haven't taken lsd for 20 years i hope they don't mind me telling this story <laughs> And, we uh, can edit it so out. We can not ask them and edit it out. They don't like it. Basically, it was extremely hard work. <laughs> and he said, "Well, when it came out, we still kind of still sounded like a pub rock band." <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't very psychedelic. And, uh, and Paul Smith didn't stop uh, not returning our phone calls after that. Blast first, then didn't it, immediately no. spring into life no. and manufacture a hundred thousand copies. Because actually, I think Paul also had like kind of major agents were were, were buying into his concept of yeah, yeah this is great. Yeah. the biggest grossing act in America. Man, are the British of Grateful Dead. Yeah. Game on. It does sound like a, yeah. a kind of pub idea writ large, doesn't yeah. it? The whole, the whole thing. I, and, and, and because I knew Matt as a teenager, my, my uh, best friend in school was, was Martin Ace's uh, nephew. And, and I was around, and that's why, you know, it panned out that Terry Williams was my dad, even though he wasn't, because I was kind of around it. But we were kind of punk new wave kids who, like, obviously hated man or knew that we should hate oh, yeah it's a law to hate so but but man famously did these things one of the the gigs was christmas at the patty the patty pavilion is this this it was a record it is a, a, a venue in swansea a really handsome old art deco thing that kind of beef art played and lou reed played in and they played there in the 70s and when they reformed they played there again i think they probably still play there every christmas now <laughs> i went to see them with mickey jones and deke leonard and martin i think even terry might have been playing with them which would have been uh, around mid 90s or something and they came on and did this sort of first 20 minutes instrumental thing and it was mogwai they were absolutely fantastic wow and then they kind of opened their mouths and it became a bit grateful <laughs> day oh man you know singing the blues sort of thing but that's for me is where this that's for me is where just to get to to, just to go back on the dead for the final thing for the final time the that's where it kind of falls down for me is where the singing starts and this album does feature i think in if there is a criticism from me it's there's just too much singing and actually with the grateful dead if you listen to something like live dead yeah it's mainly noodling, which is fine if yeah. you're in that, you know, if you're in that zone. And obviously, the zone quite often, I suppose, if you were in that period, it would have been involved taking drugs. It's 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 much more effective and much more mysterious and atmospheric when they're just noodling on the guitars. When you have two guitar solos, both kind of going off in yeah. a kind of jazz jazz experimental way. But the moment one of them starts singing, it just there isn't a good. There's not a great singer in the Dreadful Dead, is there? There's not one fantastic, very distinctive voice. No, and I, I don't know what it is, but the thing that anything that came out of the, you know, for want of a better phrase, the the hippie or countercultural thing, the, the music I like was either kind of queasily psychedelic, like mm. Love, mm. and there's something even though they could bend strings and some of it is some of it is kind of heavy rock esque, 
I like that kind of weirdness about it. Yes. And then the other stuff are like, are oh, the nihilistic or heavily overtly political things like not so much like the Stooges or the MC5, yes. that kind of rabble rousing stuff. I don't know what it is. It's, it's and a, I suppose, as you rightly say, they weren't they weren't really on the coast, were they? They were more sort of no, they were d- Detroit um, and uh, and the Doors were, but then mm. I think they, you know, I'm sure, kind of, you know, Barney Hoskins has written loads of the, uh, you know books about it. There's obviously, yes. I think, a great distinction between L.A. and San Francisco. Isn't yeah, it? no, absolutely. Yeah. So L.A. was born. although this is a bit reminiscent of the Doors, isn't it? I mean, it does kind of have that. Yeah, I guess of so. the more the the more slightly more kind of. Um, plodding kind of more blues orientated parts of the yeah. doors anyway but i suppose la was just seen as being you know the man was more entrenched there and it was the entertainment thing and san francisco would have been you know was i guess just more bohemian and then became even more so with all the mm. the crazy and it's that kind of cultural revolutionary side of it which i'm more interested in than mm. to this mm. <laughs> actually <laughs> so you mean i can't interest you in the in cream puff war then well, uh, no. So that's, that? that's the last track, track, side one, I think. That's the last track, side one. But if you are a deadhead, and we do know that there's there's lots out there, that I, mm. I know. Um, so there's an extra disc with this. It's obviously a remastered thing of the first of the, the original album, but yes. it's also got. Uh, and and you're right in saying that it's the live prowess is what people are interested in. Yeah. And there's a show from the year before '66 in Vancouver, which seems to be people. I don't know if it's been much bootlegged or okay. that's the thing that's the comprises of the, the second disc. That, and actually some of that was preferable, I thought. Yeah. Some of that was slightly more exciting. Well, that was obviously the domain, wasn't it? So, yeah, you know. yeah. I think I think that's it. Now, I did ask you <laughs> to um, to see if in what remains of the vinyl that you've got in your house, whether there was something that you could uh, you could point us in the direction of and... Uh, and um, well, I, wax lyrical about well I don't know I, I, yeah you that's a catchphrase I, I came up with earlier I could there you go and it's like it's actually <laughs> that looks um, very appropriate for yeah this. I guess it is in a way because mm. it's I certainly no stuff about it. this is a a Gorky's zygotic monkey album called uh, Bood Time which is Bood, bood. And it, my Welsh isn't very good it's food basically. okay it's a concept album and when food. so this, was, this would would have been 95 maybe um wow so that is one of the this is damage from a the rare fire. example oh yeah, that's a tragedy that. yeah i can see so that this, this was obviously a, had a, a fire hose has been on this and it's stuck together i know this this isn't good it's not good podcast material but it's a. Uh, <laughs> well we can see this is a this is an example of it it's nice to have an example of vinyl yeah. from the mid 90s obviously at that point yeah. People were gravitating much more towards CDs. So, but yeah, it's a lovely psychedelic cover. And the kids, because they were very. In fact, when I, I saw Aros the other day, who's the singer from. Is that how you pronounce his name? Because oh, I always thought it was so, Euros, yeah, you no, see. It's Aros. Aros. In, in the same way that people. That, that it's. That, you know, Gruff Reese isn't Gruff Reese, it's Griff It's Griff Reese, yeah. So Aros, it's funny actually. There was the, the guy who ran Cardiff Barfly yeah. for many years said, uh, who, was a, who was a real. Who was a Cardiff boy. So wasn't a Welsh speaker. Not not that I'm a Welsh speaker, but I kind of I do know how to pronounce most things. He said, "Oh, that you, Rose. He's really quite grumpy." And I'm like, 
Mm. How long has he been calling that? Well, about two years. <laughs> well, I would be grumpy as well if someone was calling me Euros when my name was Amos. Euro. Yeah. Every time I speak yeah. to him. But I saw Amos the other day, and, and, and you know what? It's like 20 years on. He doesn't, he's probably not 40, this kid. They were, Amazing. You can see from so the photo. So he, looks, he of, looks about 15 in this photograph. They were indeed 15 or 16 when they made the first cassette. So talking about vinyl, they mm. were kind of made a couple of cassettes. That album was when they were still on angst records, mm-hmm. which in terms of the Welsh language music scene at the time, the mid-90s was kind of where even... Oh, no, no, Catatonia didn't record from them. So Super Furries and and other groups kind of came out of that stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think Gork, even Gorky signed a major deal with Fontana. Uh, oh, they did, the didn't they? Yeah, And, and they yeah. had... I don't know if they had a hit, but again, they had a, a radio hit, as we like to call them, called Patio Song, mm-hmm. which was a bilingual song. I remember the first time, you know, my patio's caught on fire. The first time I heard it, and after the middle, it goes into Welsh, into the Welsh language. I was on the motorway and literally needed to crash the car. <laughs> and that kind of John Peel moment of him pulling over to cry to teenage kicks. I literally pulled onto the hard shoulder because I was so gobsmacked that I was hearing a Welsh language record on, you know, the Simon Mayo show. Or Fantastic. Because it was, was playlist. How do we pronounce the name of this album? I can't... It looks... I think I'd say... Bood, yeah, Bood Time. Bood Time. And it's, and it's spelled B-Y-N... B-W-Y-D. Bood time, yeah, time. and that's food, is it? it food is t- t- yeah, it's food. So time yeah. for food, and it's and a fan- really fantastic art. Who did the artwork on the sleeve? Because it's something that would be lost on a on a CD uh, size. I'm going to um, say Alan Holmes, uh, and I'm right because it's in front of me. Alan Holmes is, <laughs> uh, and Alan Holmes did he, he produce this with Gorky's? Right, and the, the engineer credit is Gorwell, uh, Gorwell Owen who also produced lots of interesting records uh, at the time. Let me... I'm but it's a kind of draw... Up. It's a draw... It's a... It's not a million miles away from the Grateful Dead artwork, I guess really. So. It's yeah. kind of... It's, it's, it's a sort of swirling There's fantasy Warhol creatures. There's in there yeah, as well. Yeah, um, The kids inside, because they are indeed kids. So there's A-Ross. There's another A-Ross. A-Ross on vocals, Euros on drums, A-Ross Roland, who, funnily enough, is has got a, um, an art studio in one of my spaces in downtown really? Swansea. Really? Good for you. I think he's an art teacher. Okay. There's Megan, who is Avis's sister there, uh-huh. uh, and Richard Jones. Richard Jones? Richard James. Yeah. Not Richard James from the Aphex Twin. No, that would have been too odd. Richard James from the Aphex Twin, is the, his, both his parents are Welsh speakers, actually, strangely enough, okay. even though you... Grew up. So there's, he's quite often confused with Richard James. Richard James from Gorty's went on to make a couple of really good, you know, for want of a better uh, phrase, acid folk records. Right. Um, and the other guy's John Lawrence, and they're all dressed. It looks like they've been to some kind of fancy dress shop. So A. Ross seems Although it has, a ver- it has an, like a, a, a an aura of yeah. Fairport Convention yeah. or but wizardry. Doctor this, Strangely Strange yeah. about it. And this is the album. It's got, there's a lot of Welsh tracks on here. But this track called Miss Trudy, which you, you hear quite a lot on that six music, and the Game of Eyes, I think, was a was a single from it. That sounds like something I need to I need to have in my collection. This I'm going to go. Good record. I'm going to go out and get one of as those. You can see it's, it's uh, yes. Would you recommend that as an entry point for those of us who may have uh, you know be fans of uh, of uh, uh, Oiros Childs? <laughs> Solo work. Euros Childs. Yeah. Is, is, um, he, so it's, it's good I, that it's, he, what his I, name isn't really Euros. I think the record that, that everyone 
So I think the, I think it was the first one they made. They made a cup, maybe one or two for Fontana. There's one mm-hmm. called Barrafundel, which is really good. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, suffice to say, the 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 production value, even though this is really good, it's it's a uh, it's it's more of a scratchy indie mm-hmm. record. And uh, actually, I really like uh, me being me. I, I like some of the early funny ones, as we call them. So they, <laughs> they, they're this this track called Peanut Dispenser, which is sounds like what they are which is like 14 year old kids kind of channeling the fall yeah in welsh yeah even though peanut dispenser that's what why i can well, my dad was a was a welsh speaker but i i don't really speak it but you can i can follow a lot of it because there's so much english in it so <laughs> peanut dispenser is great. it called peanut dispenser but the, the a welsh in welsh or is it the song no, actually peanut dispenser right yeah, wow, I'm thinking wow, the moment wow. you say peanut dispenser, I'm thinking of it sung to the tune of Golden Retriever by Super Furry Animals. Mm, well, there, you know, there could be a, there's oh, there a lineage there, isn't there? There is a lineage. Um, there is a lineage. Now, it's, a, it's roughly around this time, Hugh, and yeah. I actually haven't prepared you for this at all, that towards the end of the podcast, I ask the guest to think about something that recently has made their life uh, better whether it be an item of clothing, food, book, film, TV show, or uh, other. That is nothing to do with music. There's a non-musically related thing. Well, okay. And uh, it sounds as if something has clicked already in your head there. Because I I was about to start saying some of the previous things that we've had just to to get you started. But I won't if if you're already looking towards... uh, Uh. Okay, well, I was, I was going to say the pure evil mural that that, that Charlie Uzzle Edwards, which is indeed his, his real name, was so kind to come to downtown Swansea to do. But actually, I think, so that without just talking about my work, it's... Um, <laughs> so that's, still, that's, that's still there, is it? That's, that's there that's in perpetuity, there. this mural. Of, so there's a big... There's, you know, we started with lots of empty spaces, and mm. as I said, you know, some theatre and arts companies moving in, and there's, there's a thing called... Tech Hub, which is aligned to the one in London and Riga and Berlin. So there's wow. Tech Hubs and, you know, it's not like a franchise as such, but they're, they're associate um, centres. So you've got one in London, Riga, Berlin, Bucharest and Swansea. So I quite <laughs> like that, you know. And You and, want that um, on a T-shirt, don't you? I do. And we've got, so, and we get into a new phase now where we're calling them the, the returnees. So Swansea's a place where... You know, there's a lot of people from Swansea, but all they've all left. And all the people, you know, you, you tend to leave to go and do your thing. Okay. If you're Catherine Zeta-Jones or whoever, you know. And one of them, on a slightly lesser scale than Catherine Zeta-Jones, was a, an, art, an artist or a sculptor called um, Jane Simpson, who right. went to Chelsea Art School with Damien Hirst and went to the Royal Academy, you know, and was part of that kind of YBA thing. She was in the sensation thing, but she's mm-hmm. like one of the, not the household names. And she, uh, Jane moved back. She did a lot of sculptures with the uh, ice and fire. So those are difficult artifacts to, you know, get Charles Saatchi to buy. I know she was in the Saatchi collection, blah, blah, blah. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, they must be, <laughs> I suppose, akin to... Ephemeral. Ma- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> akin to making a sculpture of your own head out of blood. But Jane's which, brilliant. Which managed to, we managed to preserve those, though, didn't we? Jane's brilliant and moved back to Swansea a couple of years ago and, and, and opened a gallery in on this high street next to a kebab shop. Okay. You know, first thing she did was, was an exhibition of uh, Peter Blake. Uh, who wow. Came, who came down and opened the sign Fantastic. Then Gavin Turk, who came down. You know, Gary Hume. We, we had a fantastic... Oh, she had a fantastic Jamie Reed 
uh, retrospective, you know, with with all his all that stuff, you know, mm. proper not prints, you know, the, the proper gubbins, right? F- f- fantastic. And then recently, this is my thing that's happened, which is still, you know, depending when the podcast goes out, it's still there. You can go and see the show. So she's starting to work with some local artists as well, and has, has done this show called Austerity Nostalgia. So it's artworks. You know, it's that thing that Owen Hathaway wrote about, has written about the the cultural commentator, and, yes, and uh, who's kind of a young man, but inspired by a lot of that brutalist stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's artworks around that, including this guy Mark James, who who's uh, another returnee, but he's returned to Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's he's a a graphics guy, ostensibly an artist who became he was the artistic director of. Island Records, and he's done. He did a lot. Of, obviously, did a lot. When of stuff was that? There. In the uh, he only moved back a few. He still does things for Island. Oh, so so, so more recently, because obviously our mutual friend Callie was the sort of art, yeah, yeah. art director so was, back in the nineties, wasn't he? Yeah. I would say he became it probably ten years ago. Right. Okay. Um, yes, Callie, of course, mm. and and um, uh, Mark started in Cardiff and did some work with us with with me when I was doing bands. He. he mm-hmm. He's done a lot of the super furry stuff, the non-Pete Fowler stuff. So okay. he did like Candy Lion, the, mm-hmm. the Griff mm-hmm. thing, the Gruff solo record. <laughs> that Candy Lion thing is it. He's done a lot of really interesting things. And he's done some, uh, his contribution to this auster- austerity nostalgia show, basically two huge silk scarves with kind of brutalist buildings on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another artist called Catherine James, who's a local artist, who's a, a former member of the Loves, who are... Uh, Kind of indie pop, John Peel band. Okay. Uh, and, and anyway, we, 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 this show was happening. Then Owen Hathley tweeted about it, and Owen, who's I've got a few of his books, uh, came down and did a a talk last week, um, which um, which inspired the youth and indeed the the more um, seasoned people, seasoned commentators in Swansea, yeah. and and uh, he's coming back. Great. In July, August to do something else. So it's that kind of thing that that, that those are the little things that. It helps me uh, cut myself a little chuckle during <laughs> during the day because it's it's funny looking at the Gorky's record is that all the stuff that happened in Welsh music in the mid nineties it was preceded by you know as as ninety two ninety three uh, Alan McGee famously said you know I saw this thing in one of the papers where he's like his manifesto was how to make in the music industry his rule number one was never sign a band from Wales right <laughs> so that's where we were at. Which was, you know, and this was when the Manics, I suppose, and the Poostics were. Is that what prompted the, the 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 well-known Poostics lyric then? No, no, that was after. Oh, this was after, written. was it? Okay, I, I okay, did actually right. phys- literally know someone. This guy, David Padfield, <laughs> based was his name, on who was, based on actual experience. That song. He was a student in Swansea who kept saying, you know, because we, you know, we we were we were cool. We, you know, we'd go to London and watch bands and buy records on Creation. There's this kid, David, who, who was like, yeah, yeah. He was from London, yeah. You know, I know, I know Alan McGee quite well. So, and it was literally that. And it was like, so we thought, I know someone who knows Alan McGee quite well. No, nah, no, nah, it's not silly enough. So I know someone, and then it became. But the weird thing is, uh, you know, they went went on to deal with Alan quite a lot. In yes, he did. And, yeah. And the second verse was, I know someone who knows someone who knows. And Jeff you went Travis on to, quite well. you went on to deal with Jeff Travis as well. Yeah. Dolls and Catatonia, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Blah blah blah. So you know, that was a, a, a kind of a strange one. Yeah. So did you have you now thought perhaps rather than uh, rather than recommending the mural that we should go and see which we will go and see yeah. is there anything that you that uh, that has made you happy beyond that 
unwork related. It <laughs> okay. could be. It, Sorry, I, yeah. It could be something as prosaic as a uh, as a as a locally made Welsh cake because I never tried a Welsh cake until uh, about well, two we, months we, ago. As soon as we put our microphones on, we can. I'm sure we. I think in Wales, you you're no more than hundred yards away from Welsh cake. I'd never even heard. Thing is, I'd signed a band from Wales, been to Wales repeatedly, never found any Welsh cakes in Newport. Yeah, no, I just no. I was only I was in Cardiff for, for recently. For reasons, I think. But, um, <laughs> Uh, Newport, bless I can it. recommend the Welsh cake though. Nice and lava bread. Have you ever tried that? See, because mm-hmm. obviously, no, even though I'm in Scones in the Vale of Glam, I am a Swansea boy. So, seaweed is a, a delicacy down there. Okay, lava bread, you know, beautifully caked in some, you know, made it with some flour into a patty and then kind of griddled. Wow, very nice. No, with, not with, had with that. With some locally sourced cockles. <laughs> Fantastic, that's what we need to be doing. Yeah, I thought you were I talking about being in, recently, in sconced in the va- in the Vale of Glamorgan. I, I thought am. you were talking about in scones in sconced <laughs> in the Vale of Glamorgan. Right. Well, I think we've come to the end of the Grateful Dead okay. podcast, yeah. which was actually we've 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 gone the highways and the byways yeah. all the way through through rock and pop. Not much trucking involved, really. Well, I'm glad there wasn't songs. too much trucking. Yeah. We were too, we were we were ambling and, and and gliding elegantly. Hugh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm coming back. Can I come back of and we'll, we'll continue to to uh, explore we'll do a weekly one? <laughs> continue to explore rock and pop. You should you should come over to uh, come over to Gloucestershire. I will for some for some ups and downs. I'll get my passport out and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you do. Well, you, you have you to pay it. to get into Wales, don't you? Not out. That's I awesome. paid to get into Wales. Yeah, yeah it was but worth being it. Being in Gloucestershire, though. you can go the non the non paying routes. I heard there was a way via uh, Chepstow and, mm, and Gloucester yeah, or something Forest like Dean, that. You know, it's kind of like right. EMF hillbilly kind of country. <laughs> We've, kind of we we have been talking about the fiftieth uh, anniversary. Uh, reissue of the Grateful Dead's debut 1967 album, also called The Grateful Dead. We've also uh, been talking about uh, one of the remaining records in Hugh's vinyl collection, uh, After the Fire, which is uh, Gorky's Psychotic Monkey, and it is, uh, it's called Mood Time, is it? Is Mood. Mood time. Mood yeah, time. Mood time. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah. also. Danish pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, How do you pronounce Huga? What is that? Oh, that's that's how we're feeling good by the fire. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, Which in Wales is known as cutching up. Kutch. Is, is it really? Kutch is kind of cuddle, but also. Well, I'm glad you've got a word. We don't have anything like that in England. No. The people, people yeah. are just normally on the internet at that <laughs> yeah. point and just not talking to each other. Um, anyway, we've been talking about all those records and more, and we will be back. It's been great. It's good to have you back. Listen to the Tune Tribe podcast, and uh, we'll see you again very soon. Okay, bye bye bye. Ciao for now. As they say in Clandell. Contact us via email at podcast at tunetribe.com and follow us on Twitter at TuneTribe for exclusive competitions and updates. <laughs>